Welcome to Pulp Fiction, a movie and pop culture podcast covering everything from blockbusters to indies, from classics to B-movies, from the silent era to this week's newest releases. Oh, and we also talk about TV sometimes, but we feel like it too. I'm Brandon Rabar, entertainment writer for the Bethany Tribune in Oklahoma City, and I'm joined every week by movie podcast junkie Jacob Crisip and OKC radio star Rachel Jameson. Jacob, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. It's hard not to tell you talk about movies without like really diving into what your childhood and what made you a, a lover of movies, basically, right? And I can't do that without without just kind of reminiscing. Like my earliest mem- memories of watching movies are dancing around my, my coffee table with my mom to the music of Gremlins. Nice. You know, being scared to death. Um, nice. watching... I was expecting it to be something like really like. No. The sound of music, <laughs> yeah. like, Gremlins. I know, I, I, I like Gremlins way more. Yes. I, that, I just remember that, you know, being scared to death in the movie theater. I was watching E.T. I hated E.T. when I was a kid. You know, and, That's and, funny, E.T. was uh, my first memory of going to the theater was E.T. It's definitely one of my, my most... Uh, my earliest, for some reason, is, is is one of the Star Wars movies. Oh, okay. Which I guess would have been Return of the Jedi because I was, was not even one when yeah. Empire came out. But... uh uh, E.T. was probably one of the most vivid because I was so scared yeah. during the corn film. Um, but, you know, as I kind of grew up, grew older, like my parents always had movies around. Uh, they were not any film fanatics by any means, but we always just watched movies. And it really wasn't until I got into uh, college and really I was waiting tables while I was in college and I met a guy named Josh who really just influenced on how I saw a lot of movies. You know, I might say, and this is a bad example, oh, I thought The Rock was good. And he'd be like, you know, that's rubbish. And then he kind of would explain why and, um, you know, things like that. Um, and he really introduced me to a, a huge array of film. Now, on top of that, I was going to design school. And when you're uh, you know, a fine arts degree, you have to take all that kind of electives. So I was having to take a lot of photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I grew up around photography. My, my dad was a photographer, amateur. But I still grew up around it. And then I took a lot of photography classes while in school. And so I just got used to how to see things through a lens. And uh, I always kind of had an eye for that. I think it's just because of what I grew up with. Um, but I also had to take some film classes while I was in school. And not that that merits any way, shape, or form that I am. I know everything about film. But I definitely I learned how to recognize editing. Um dialogue, how mm-hmm. cameras work, whether it's television or movies, uh, because we'd have to, you know, try out, draw out all the, um, oh, shoot, what do you call it? <laughs> all, the, all the sketches probably. Oh, right, um, right, yeah. I can't think of what it's called at the moment. But anyway, um, and I just, I learned that aspect of it. I would start buying, like, some s- small screenplays. Um, and, of course, I always go back to my buddy Josh who had a ton of screenplays on hand or knew a lot about Scorsese or knew a lot about just little things. And really from there, it just kind of grew. Um, you know, really when you hit your 20s is really, I think, when you find your stride of right. who you are, yeah. what you like, what you're accustomed to. Music, movies, just the person you are. Not to mention you change a little bit when you get a little bit older, but but you really do find your stride there. And um, there were so many movies uh, that have affected me over my lifetime. I've become very passionate about it. Um, it's something I love to do. I love to watch. And the last five years, I've had to work on the road a lot, which is where our relationship has really grown. Mm-hmm. Um, because we would text each other, we would do our lists, and yeah. it really carried me through a lot of just kind of 
I won't say lonely times, but a lot of times I was on the road working by myself. And right. so I looked forward to talking movies. I didn't have anyone to talk movies about. Right. Not that I could really, you know, go to my friends or parents for any of that. I just had no one to talk movies about. So like y'all are, uh, have been great over the years just to, just to be able to do that. And through all my travels, I would start listening to podcasts. There's some great podcasts out there. And uh, I would pick up on how they do reviews. And when they, they laugh, they have a good time. And, you know, some of them were more highbrow, some were just fun. And I would just always thought, man, that would just be fun to just talk movies. You know, I may not be the most qualified for this, but it's something I really enjoy doing. I think that makes you qualified, though. I mean, just loving movies and wanting to talk movies. I hope so. Because <laughs> I hope so. Because uh, you know, you, it's hard to do a a review of a film going in and saying I thought it was really good, and then <laughs> stop right there. So you know, I've never taken a lot of writing classes on this, and I'm kind of learning some of this as I go along, and I'm picking up a lot, and I've picked up a lot of things over the years. Um, but most importantly, I, I think that we've all kind of discovered is we all have a passion for it. We all, I believe, I think we all have pretty good taste in movies. Right. Um, which, and we have a lot in common when it comes to that, so which makes it a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, no, it's just cool that, the, I mean, basically this podcast was basically born out of our three-way text to each other about movies. Because it is, I mean, you you brought up how, you know, just talking about a movie with some people, is it goes no further than it was a good movie. You know, because I, I used to go to movies in big groups. Rachel was a part of it. We just got like 15 people, 20 people. You know, in college age, we all hung out. We had a big group, and we'd go to movies. And then afterwards, we would get in a group and just kind of start discussing the movie. But it was pretty much like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was decent. And they're like, okay, now what? <laughs> I mean, but when you really love movies and you're really passionate about movies... You really want to get in depth and, and discuss them. And, okay, so what did you like about it? What made it a great film? What did you not like about it? What could have been better? And that's kind of how this was born. Rachel, tell us a little about How did you fall in love with movies? Well, I was negative one when E.T. came out. <laughs> Old guys. Um, the, but shamefully, the first remember movie I remember seeing was Milo and Otis. <laughs> so I am totally qualified to talk about <laughs> movies. Um, Wait, which one was was Milo the dog and I Otis was the? I do not remember whatever. at all. I don't. Um, I like you said, kind of in my twenties, I actually started liking good movies. My childhood, growing up, my mom rewatched a lot of things, and she still does. We've seen Robin Hood, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, about a million times. Yep. I've seen Blast from the Past a million times. I've seen <laughs> the Indiana Jones series a million times because mom just gets stuck. On movies, which is fine. And she's really entertaining to watch them with because every time she's seen it, it's the first time she's ever seen that movie. <laughs> She'll still yell at the people even though she knows they're going to do the things that she doesn't want them to do. Uh, so I've adopted some of that. I have certain movies. We're going to do a list later on. Some of them are kind of shameful, but they're movies that I've rewatched a million times. So there's that. There's some of my favorites because I keep rewatching them. But as I grew up, hit. A little bit after college, I had all the dreams of like, I'm I'm going to be a famous singer. I'm going to be a famous actor. I'm going to do all those great things. And then I just decided I'm going to really appreciate people that can do those things. And so I watched, I started watching a lot better movies. 
Brandon was pretty influential on that because I didn't really know where to start with a lot of different movies. Um, so we started watching a lot of movies together. It gave me a better appreciation of movies and a better direction to go in, even though the first movie we ever watched together was Dreamcatcher. <laughs> how, how long have you two known each other? Uh, 15 years. 15 years? Yeah. Cool. It's been so a she minute. started watching good movies 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, it was Blast from the Past on repeat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I my mom's taste out of this. Uh, so that's, where, that's kind of where I started developing a better appreciation of things was after college. What about you, Brandon? I just like to basically find people and make them watch better movies. You do. You honestly do that a lot. A lot of people. A lot of people with really bad taste have watched a lot better movies since you started talking to them. That's kind of what I will I want attest my, to. That I, I appreciate. That. I, I would love that. That's my legacy. Like when I die, uh, when people are talking about, like they can be like, yeah, they could say many. He was a man of God. He was a great father. He was great. But really, I really like him to say, man. You got me to watch, watch a lot of good movies. Is Brandon. that why you were trying to get me to watch Demolition Man? Yeah. <laughs> At your funeral, I will mention that you're you're the guy who got me to watch Goodwill Hunting. I appreciate that. Well, I don't appreciate the fact that you assume I'm going to die first, but <laughs> I do appreciate the fact. No, for me, <laughs> for me, the the reason really I fell in love with movies, uh, kind of like Jacob, it goes back to my mom. We we didn't have very much money growing up at all, and so I mean we grew up in Deer Creek, Oklahoma, where everybody had money except for us. So while you know all my friends were going to you know on vacation to some island or whatever, our our big summer vacations was just renting a bunch of movies from Randy's M and M's, and uh, that's what we did. You know we could get like four for three dollars or something like that. So it was kind of born with that. Um, and from there, in high school, I took uh, theater because I, you know, I was really into movies already. But I wanted to do some acting. And my high school drama teacher, first day of freshman, uh, my freshman year drama class, she actually put on uh, a clip of a movie and said, "Now watch this. This is this is what real acting is, and this is what we're going to try to achieve." And she played Dog Day Afternoon, Al Pacino. <laughs> and so Mrs. Jordan from, from Deer Creek High School uh, is really who influenced me as far as starting to appreciate film as an art, acting as an art. And that's kind of where it was born from there for me. Uh, so, yeah. And, and from there, like now I, I write movie reviews for I'm an entertainment writer for the Bethany Tribune. Uh, I've been in radio, and any chance I get to, you know, anything pop culture, movies related, uh, in my media jobs, I uh, I jump at. So, so yeah, the the chance to do this podcast and to finally kind of have a forum where I can get with a couple of friends and and just talk about movies more in depth. I've always wanted to have a a movie version of a book club, and that's where I'd kind of like to see this going. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I can't talk books. Yeah. Me <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, most of my friends, you know, my family and things like that, they know that I watch every single movie. And so it, it never fails like, oh, but have you read the book? You know, like, no, I haven't read the book. Why would I read the book? I've watched the movies. movie. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Uh, 
so yeah, this and and um, yeah, I just it's exciting to have a place to to be able to formally talk about movies and and if people listen, cool. Um, <laughs> because that'd be just, rad. We can just add to our legacies and making people watch better movies. Yeah. If people don't listen, then it's just we're just three people sitting in an apartment, just uh, with headphones on and talking into microphones, <laughs> and which, that's which fine is fine too, actually. Yeah, which is also really cool. Um, we all have jobs, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and going forward, this podcast, um, you know, we're each week we'll kind of take a movie, review it, break it down, um, and then we'll also have a, a list every week that we're going to do that we'll discuss. and And I think kind of as the show goes on, we'll you know add elements, see what works and doesn't work. But but for the most part, we're going to cover. Maybe I know Jacob can talk about this maybe a little bit more because he's such a podcast junkie. Um, but I know a lot of podcasts will focus more on recent movies and, and maybe blockbuster movies. But the idea of this is to encompass everything, whether that be indie movies, classic movies, foreign films, blockbusters, comic book movies, whatever it is. Uh, and really kind of going into maybe TV shows things like that as well. Yeah, I think the one thing that we all agreed on before doing this was that for the most part, we're never going to spoil anything outside of the movie that we're going to be reviewing that week. That's just the most important thing to remember uh, when it comes to TV shows because we will talk Game of Thrones from time to time. Absolutely. You know, we will talk, you know, upcoming movies or maybe something we happen to read about, you know, leaked uh, storylines, which I happen to read about Star Wars. I'll tell you all that sometime. <laughs> um, I know the plot. Do you really? Yeah, I but are you glad you know? No, I don't. See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's going to hurt me. But anyway, we won't. We won't spoil things podcast. like that because I think that would be unfair <laughs> to do that to someone unknowingly. But if someone knows we're going to be review, reviewing Mad Max, then by all means, we're not going to talk just about the movie and wait for to talk about spoiler, spoilers. We're going to just go right into spoilers because, uh, in my experience, I'm. I, I, I know going into it that that's what you're talking about, and I fully expect you to talk about the crazy things that may or may not have happened in the movie, the things that we expected out of it, and I don't want to leave anyone hanging. That's usually what I listen to podcasts for, because I want to figure out what I don't know, and right. I want to hash it out and uh, get to the bottom of whatever issues that may be. So yeah. heads up, there will be Mad Max spoilers. Yeah, the the and movie that we're doing Max. this week is, is Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, so yeah... Uh, I don't know. Do you want to jump into Mad Max now? The only other thing that I, I also think we're going to do from time to time is just kind of talk about current events. What have you watched lately, you know? Yeah. Uh, because there will be weeks that um, we'll watch movies, or I'll watch a movie that y'all won't watch, or maybe I'll catch a movie six months later that y'all have seen, or vice versa, and, you know, that'll be good, too, just to be like, hey, check this one out. It's a good one. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, we'll have a movie we'll talk about. We'll have our top five, which I, I love. I love lists. Yeah. And the, uh, it just started getting better than that. And good company. Yeah, we're we're all list cookies. Yeah, Rachel we did. make cookies. Yeah, she did. That's really why we're here. Actually, we just had an excuse yeah. to come. Yeah, around. exactly. It. It's been fun. As I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. As he picks up another cookie <laughs> for the road, apparently. <laughs> uh, but as as I said, our movie this week is actually Mad Max Fury Road, and this is an interesting first movie to start on. 
and probably <laughs> Jacob has the adventures of Milo and Otis pulled up on his IMDb. <laughs> which one was the dog? It doesn't which say which one is which. It, it doesn't? It just says himself, I, himself. I feel... And there's no picture next to the cat <laughs> or the dog. Their names were actually Milo and Otis in real life? That's what their yeah. names were? That's well, fantastic. I, I guess so. Actually, I think that Milo was the cat. I don't remember. See, I always think Milo was the dog, but I don't know. I didn't, I, it wasn't TBD. my first movie. The lineup is yeah. Milo himself. Dudley Moore, narrator, Otis himself. <laughs> okay. There you go. We're going to figure out which one's which by the end of the podcast. Or, That's or, what you need to stick around for, yeah, guys. Spoiler yes. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we are going to ruin that uh, for you. Ruin that one for you. <laughs> you didn't see my own notice. You're screwed. <laughs> what year did that come out? Uh, 86. 86. Oh, so I was three. That's young to remember that. I do remember it, though. It was at AMC in Quail Springs. Or not Quail Springs. It was in Penn Square. It wasn't AMC then. No. It was in Penn Square Mall. So Back Mad to Max. Max. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about Milo and Otis all day, guys. <laughs> How terrible would it be if her podcast <laughs> was is reviewing Milo, Milo and Otis. And Otis. <laughs> <laughs> but Mad Max, the reason that we kind of chose this one um, is because... This movie had, I mean, it's got what, like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. The The critics are going crazy over it. And uh, it's not tearing up the box office, it's doing well at the box office. But everyone that sees it seems to think that it's maybe the greatest action movie of the past decade. And so, because everybody's talking about it, and everybody has such a high opinion of it. And also, because there's only crap out right now. That's also a good point. Uh, we decided to cover Mad Max Fury Road as our first Pulp Fiction movie review. <laughs> Jacob, your thoughts. Overall, uh, your, your quick, we'll, we'll each kind of give a, a quick summary of our thoughts, and then we'll just kind of do a, a discussion as a whole on the movie. Uh, yeah, um, I think we'll all agree for the most part that it's one of the most fantastic trailers I've ever seen. That trailer was was great, um, but I don't know about you two. Have you ever seen one of the Mad Max movies? It's been so long. I'll be yeah. I'll be com- completely transparent here. Probably since I was a teenager, okay. I haven't seen I haven't seen one. Since. Yeah, I was probably a child. I've but never, it was I've never one even that seen one. my parents are they. I know they at least watched them. I remember them being on, but I was too young to really even grasp what was happening in those movies yeah. I've I never saw one so I kind of went into this movie blind in a way outside of what I saw in the trailer and yes I know that there's cars and you know deserts and you know post-apocalyptic um, but that for the most part was about it and uh, ML Gibson and um, <laughs> so I mean ever since we saw the trailer I, I I thought it was interesting that they were rebooting it I thought the trailer looked great but I never really was super excited about it. Not like some people have. Some people have it. I think that they're number one movie of the year. Right. Yeah. Um, and, which is fine because I mean, I guess from a certain perspective, I can see that. But, but I went into the movie. Well, you and I kind of texted a little bit about it, so that gave me firsthand of what to expect. Because when I started hearing all the reviews, all the hurrah for it, I was like, all right. So, you know, it might exceed my expectations. Uh, went into it, saw it. Honestly, whether um, I heard a review, talked to you or not, I think I would have had the same reaction. Oh, which is honestly what you, which is what you texted me, right? Um, which was 
I I did not have much to it. I think I honestly for a first podcast review, this is going to be kind of a rough one because I have a feeling we're all going to have the same right, opinions yeah. on it. And typically we we do differ quite a bit, you know, yeah. in our opinions and things like that. I'm but okay with I that think... because I I can recognize that there are some great some great things about this movie. Um, do I think it's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Do I think it should be? I think it's at number 32 on IMDb, that's which that's a list you kind of can't really credit. Right. But yeah. Should it be number three on IMDb? No. Um, it's, it's 31 as of today. I checked it earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's... No, it should not. But but there's some great things that they do in this movie. Is, uh, I think most people... The most common thing I hear are practical effects, which I think all of us being kids of the 80s will appreciate practical effects versus CGI. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, I, I've come to the point where I... Anytime I see CGI, I immediately cringe. I can't stand yeah, it. Yeah, agree. And uh, I think we'll all agree that George Miller uh, did an excellent job of, re- of, of executing that um, and kind of also showing a lot of these new filmmakers, hey, you can still do this. Right. Um, you know, and make it work. So overall, yes, I, you know, I like the movie. Okay. Rachel, your thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road? Um, I also had not... Well, I've seen parts of them but i'm not overly familiar with the mad max series i i again post-apocalyptic i can't even say that mel gibson desert that's what i know of mad max going into this movie i have a lot of friends that were really excited about it to me i i in all honesty not a huge action fan so i assumed you know it, it would be a good movie i didn't think i was gonna love it walking into it anyways brandon saw it before me and said Hey, heads up, there's a lot of action in this movie. It's pretty much all action. So that's kind of what I had going in mind to it. Um, and, and overall, not a bad movie. It's a fine action movie. I did not have any problems with it. It was really pretty. Um, the special effects were great. The practical effects were great. Uh, the acting was great. I, I walked out of it giving it a 7 out of 10. So that's not a bad movie. I agree. It's a it's a fresh rating. Um, my issues with it came afterwards when I read everyone else's opinion on it, but we'll get into that because that is my and that's my before I got bitter about things. That is my <laughs> official opinion on the movie. Yeah, even right. though I try not to rate my movies until the end of the year, it looks like mine also is going to be about a seven out of ten ish. Right. Um, not, not a bad movie by any means. Yeah, Definitely deserves complain. to be fresh. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, your take on it? Yeah, okay, so here's my thing. I'll get the good stuff out of the way quickly. Yes, the practical effects were great. I, I really did appreciate that because we've been so inundated with CGI for the past 20 years. It was refreshing to see practical effects. But if practical effects makes a movie a masterpiece... Well, then let's just take every Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Van Damme movie and just all of a sudden call them – all of a sudden Bloodsport's a masterpiece to me, which actually it is. <laughs> That's <true>. But <laughs> – Never seen it. <laughs> we'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> we'll change that. Uh, no. And, and it was beautiful to look at. Just gorgeous. Those things alone from a technical out aspect, it's a 10 out of 10. But – to me, it was a car chase scene, a five-minute car chase scene on a two-hour loop. All, all it was was a car chase scene, and, and I personally, I'm not a big fan of chase scenes because to me, it's just 
it's just delaying the storyline. They okay. drove east. They yes. they didn't like what they saw. They drove back west. Exactly. To me, that, that was the, the story. Entire plot. That's the that, entire that was, movie. That was and and I've and I've read. I know what people are saying. I know why people love it. And and they're saying that there's more there. There's there's subtext and all these things. And I don't care if if there is a Shakespearean tragedy happening in the subtext. I didn't see it on the film. I I didn't care about these characters because I didn't hear these characters talk. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it was just a bunch of explosions, and I just kind of it was so repetitive to me. It was just chasing, chasing, explosion, chasing. Appreciated the practical effects, but I didn't really care about any of the characters. I didn't connect to anybody. So I ended up also giving it a seven out of ten. Because of how beautiful it was and the effects, but I just did not at all care about the storyline because I feel like it was so flimsy. I, didn't, I mean, I I agree. I didn't care either, and I actually rewatched it with you. And had I had I not had you there to say like what is happening, I wouldn't have had any idea what was going on in this movie till about an hour in. Did you all have uh, sound issues? Absolutely. Like, like, couldn't hear like the dialogue. The, yeah, the dialogue. Yes. You couldn't understand the dialogue at all, which it was made so frustrating. it really impossible to understand what I was going on. I think you saw it in 3D the first time. Like, you saw it the second time? Yeah, I saw it in 3D the first time. Did you see it in 3D? No. All? See, I didn't think the 3D was necessary. At first you said it may have been, but when I was watching it, I was like, eh. Yeah, I watched it, when I watched it the second time, I realized that it wasn't yeah. necessary. I thought maybe because the action was so... But I'm not a 3D guy. I'm guessing y'all aren't either. No, I'm not a 3D. Yeah. The, the only reason I'm ever in 3D is if I feel like it actually adds to the movie. Um, and in this case, I don't really think it was necessary. But no, there was there was so loud in the beginning. Whenever they did talk, I had no idea what they were saying. And, and when words were only coming in the screenplay... Like once every four minutes, and it's a single line of dialogue. It's a pretty important line, apparently, because it's the only bit of story you're going to get. And I couldn't even pick up some of it because it was so loud. Yeah, you know, I have a feeling we're just going to sit here and just criticize this entire movie. That's why we got the good stuff out of the way. Which is too bad because all we had to say is, "Oh, great practical effects." Um, (laughs) There, there. I mean, the cinematography was good. Yeah, it was. But I mean, I, I mean, I can sit here and pick apart so many things. Have you all heard yet? People are actually uh, comparing this movie, not comparing, just saying that this movie is what's defining the last decade. See, that's uh, yeah. That's I've insane. heard a lot of comparisons it's, it's like that, and that's Obviously, where I would put social network in front of that because that's oh, social absolutely. media at least. Absolutely, but right. even then, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, absolutely. Because because this this movie is just not at, not even at that level. No, it's just not. No, okay. and and what's defining about it? When's the last I, time I one think of y'all? It's practical effects. I think that's everyone's argument. It's strictly that it's practical effects, and you don't need a heavy plot line to make a great movie. And I, I'm okay with that. I don't need everything explained to me. Right. I don't need right. That. None of us do. Um, we, but, we've all liked plenty of movies that didn't spell everything out for us. I think we all think that's a little bit insulting generally anyway. So it's not like our, our tastes lean towards, I want to have everybody, everything told to me. But people are reading a lot into this movie that I just don't think is there. Yeah. I mean, I felt no connection to any character. Absolutely not. Um, they could have all died. I wouldn't have cared. My first ah moment was when they were going through kind of the Rocky Valley and a motorcycle like shot over the, the yeah, truck that was there cool. and he shot it in the air. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that was, was cool. fun. Yeah. But I mean, that was probably yeah. 30 minutes into the film. Yeah. But, ser- yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, 
Sylvester Stallone's stunt double jumped off a cliff in Rambo, but that's not a doesn't make it a masterpiece. I just don't understand where this whole masterpiece talk is coming from. And I, my frustration with the movie, I would have, and and I think that I, I know we've talked outside of this, so I, I I feel like we agree. And again, like Jacob said, it's going to come into a a bash session, which I'm actually okay with because it's getting so much love everywhere else. Even if our little podcast, our first episode that seven people listen to is the only place that's <laughs> criticizing it. I'm cool with that because something needs to, somebody needs to say it. Okay. So, sorry. Finish your thought. I can't remember. I went down seven different <laughs> rabbit holes. There. I just well, I thought this comment from, okay, let me preface this. This came from my cousin who watches a lot of movies, but doesn't necessarily have the best taste in movies, in my opinion. Um, this was his comment when I asked him what was so good about it. Cause he's one of the, I was like, okay guys, just confession, I didn't really care for it that much. Why is it so great? And I, his first response was like, but it's an epic action flick. I'm like, okay, but really, what about it? And his comment, <laughs> his comment was, uh, the action starts and doesn't let up. I agree with that. And then he said, movie gets straight to the point, too. No useful backstory. No real character motivations other than survive. And See, this is a plus to him, yeah, that's... not a, a negative, which I look at all that as a neg. Like I said, I had no idea what was happening until halfway through the movie. Were you not there to explain it to me? No useful backstory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's... I don't know how that's a positive to no. me. That's a, in and, any other and film. And no character development. All we need to know is that these people want to survive. That's that's all I'm supposed to understand of this movie. That doesn't work for me if you're going to say it's one of the best films in the last decade or the best action film of all time. I... And people people are saying that. I mean, this is a very real thing people are saying. People are saying it could be the greatest action film of all time. At the very least, it's the best action film of the last decade. Uh, and, and, and I'm okay with people saying... That they liked it because it was a great action flick. That's right. fine. Right. But all these people that are that are acting like it's a great film, that the storyline was so great, and that that there was some sort of hidden subtext, uh, plot wise and character development wise, I I just don't see it. And nor nor do I. Let's talk about some of the uh, individual uh, characters, starting with the title of the movie, which is. In- Imperator Furiosa, yeah. starring Charlize Theron, yeah. and your your co character being Mad Max. Mad Max, yes, exactly. You know. no, that's that's exactly right. But let's let's talk about some of those individually. Um, yeah, I thought Charlize Theron was very good. There's been a lot of a lot of stuff in the in the news and media about it being you know uh, pro feminism mm-hmm. and, and uh, or something along those lines. Honestly, that's kind of a road that I don't normally go down, and I and I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't have a problem with women I, I either. Thought, I thought she was great in it. You're right. right. Uh, I thought I thought she was great in it. Um, I thought she. I mean, she definitely has played those roles before, where she's uh, can be can play a dominant female, can right. play a. Um, I don't know. Good thing a guy. What do you think? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I don't know. What are your What are y'all's thoughts on that? <laughs> that out later <laughs> i'd just like to say ditto <laughs> no and that's another thing too i mean a lot's been made of of how it's a feminist movie 
and how Charlize's character. Here's my deal. She, her character was fine. I think her performance was good. I think she was fine. But I honestly don't think that there was anything there that we haven't seen from a female action character before. Going from Ripley and and Alien, from even Laura Croft <laughs> to I mean to Underworld to The Bride and the, Kill Bill. Yeah, I mean any of these films. I don't know what makes this particular character, who again, you know. Why is this drawing all the attention for the yeah. thinness? Right. Yeah. Yes. Why? I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't see where it's coming from. I don't either. And as a female, I did some research on this just because I was really curious about what is supposedly makes her different. And there's a lot of talk of like, oh, she has a soft heart, but she's strong. There's I a mean, lot was, of roles like that. Yeah, was Ripley not that way? And was, I mean, I, Ripley's she, the strongest female character I think in all of cinema. Right. Cinema. Yeah. So Sarah absolutely. Connor was strong. Like, Sarah yeah, Connor. She's yes. They, great these choice. are all great characters, and I I thought Shirley's Throne did great. Um, I do not know why it's getting so much attention, but I don't know why the movie in general is getting so much attention. But uh, I did some research and found out that the director contacted the vagina monologues chick. Her name's Eve Inster. And consulted her about how to make this character really a powerful one. That's what I want to hear about all my action movies that the director consulted with <laughs> exactly. with the writer of the vagina <laughs> monologues. <laughs> hey, how do I make a good action movie? <laughs> the, the overall message that there could be a good action movie though. And it wouldn't necessarily be one we could review. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just wait to make sure that awkward silence got in there after your statement. I just had to squeeze in a porn joke. Can we can, I guess. Um the overall theme is that women are not things, they're not you, sex slaves, rape. It's supposed to address all of those things. Okay, I. why that was definitely addressed and I'm pro like a, a strong... Pro non-raping? I'm pro non-raping. And <laughs> yeah, I'm good with it. Very strong yeah. pro Jacob doesn't sound yeah. so sure. He was <laughs> no, like, I'm good with that. It's a savage, I am sure. I'm wrong, right. Burgundy. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Um, I'm wrong, Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> so very pro the message women are not things rape is bad very pro those things um my main issue came in and it comes in in a lot of movies and this i'm gonna get called sexist or whatever but Shillery's throne is not beating up tom hardy that's never ever yeah ever happening even the vagina monologues lady had the quote i was really blown away by the older women in the film who were not just for, who were just as good at fighters as the men. No, never gonna happen. I what the it completely pulled me out of the movie. Whatever interest I had in it just became kind of like that became laughable to me because that's never gonna happen. I I will buy a movie where a woman is smarter than a man. That she's yeah. a good yeah I know. Um, I can buy that they can shoot them. But they are never going to hand-to-hand combat beat these men. We're talking about Tom Hardy here. We're not talking about MMA fighters versus, like, DJ Qualls. That's not the fight that we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about normal ladies versus Tom Hardy. Yeah, like an Entourage, happen. I bought that Ronda chick beating Turtle. Yeah. Okay, I can get <laughs> Spoiler that. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's in all the or, trailers. Or maybe. It's in maybe all the trailers. But no, absolutely. I mean, I was the same way. It pulled me out of the movie as well, which is the biggest no-no 
in any movie is to be pulled out of a movie, and especially a movie based on realism. If I'm watching a movie that I know is it's sci-fi, it's whatever else, it, you know, when when I watch a movie like that and I see a female character or say a seven-year-old that has some sort of magical powers that can take down some, you know, a Hulk Hogan type. Okay, that's cool. I can buy that. But what's so, you know, this movie is so lauded because it's kind of based on this realism from practical effects and all those things. And then you see these older women who are, you know, beating up these, you know, strong, you know, trained soldiers. Trained soldiers, yes, thank you. Or Charlize who is just, she's a supermodel. She's super hot, even with the little, you know, crap on her face and the one arm. I'm still like, eh, yeah, she's still hot. <laughs> as, as much as they tried to make her not hot, she still was. So I'm not going to buy her beating up Tom Hardy, and I'm not going to buy these old women. I'm looking you know. at the cast right now, and Melissa Jaffer, who is the Keeper of the Seeds, she was 79 years old. I believe she's the one who died in the back seat of the truck. Right, yes. She was 79 years old, and, you know, and she was wow. doing a lot of... I mean, I think a lot of her own um, effects. Stunt work, stunt yeah. Work, yeah. Which is cool. That's, Which yeah, is that's great. awesome. Good that's for That's impressive. Her. But, I mean, put her up against uh, that the the son of, uh, you know, of, uh, what's his name? Morton Joe, and I don't think she's going to be winning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's just no way. There's, and, there's powerful women, and then there's ridiculousness. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind suspending disbelief. Me. And I'm okay with Charlize Theron having all these uh, skills Right. But a lot of the other characters is where I have issues with, you know. Right. Well, I mean, if it's Brienne of Tarth versus Mad Max, all right, I buy Brienne of Tarth. You've given me enough. I had to squeeze in some Game of Thrones. Yeah. You've given me enough backstory. I've seen her. I know where she comes from. And she's a woman who's like six foot four or whatever in real life. That's who she is. I get that. I can buy that. But I I don't buy a seventy nine year old woman beating a trained soldier. It's just it's not gonna happen. How'd y'all feel about Tom Hardy? I like Tom Hardy. I mean the 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 three lines of dialogue he had he he delivered and really he, well. And he mumbled two of them. Right? <laughs> he did. Yeah. He did right. And he, he was since he had that mask on for half the movie, he was basically Bane. Yeah, he made a fantastic blood bag yes. for most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think I wrote down in my notes that he's a doctor. Uh, you know, and you know, and, and he, I, I you know, I actually thought he was good. I, I didn't mind that he had very little dialogue. Um, that kind of goes along with the whole thing we talked about earlier, which was. Um, that I don't need a story to be told me. I don't need right. all right. that dialogue explained to me. Like clearly, here's a lot of issues going on with his character. When you talk about some of his dream dream sequences and things like that, honestly, those are the parts where I didn't know if it reflected some of the earlier films that I hadn't seen. Right, and apparently, this is kind of a lead in to the Mad Max story. Okay, it's not going to be like a Furiosa franchise. This was kind of an introduction to Mad Max that was mostly focused on her somehow. But as I guess as the trilogy goes on, it will lead into more of Mad Max's story. Which He's is, getting another movie, right? Right. I heard yeah. that she might be getting her own movie now, too. I would not be. Well, she just had her own movie. <laughs> so. She'll be getting a sequel. <laughs> She'll be getting a sequel. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I, I love both those actors. And I think they were both fine. Oh, yeah. I've been a yeah. Tom Hardy fan since, uh, for, for years now before yeah. he yeah. kind of got big. Yeah. Right. Going back to Bronson, basically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's right. yeah. yeah. just like, man, this guy is, if someone really catches on, this yeah. guy could really yeah. take off. Yeah. And he has. 
and I'm excited about every movie he's in for the most part. Yeah. Um, and same thing for Charlize Theron. She really is, generally picks good movies. Yes, yeah, and she's a great um, actress. And once again, I think they picked a good movie. They did. I think our issue is just simply that it's overrated. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's all it comes yeah. down to. L- listen, the 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 four people that listen to this, you you know, you're probably gonna hate what we're saying because most people love it, but. But what it comes down to is we do just feel like it's overrated. Nobody else is saying it. So we I, we kind of wanted a, an avenue to be able to to voice, you know, the the vocal minority, I guess, if you'll say. Because I, I can only troll IMDb message boards <laughs> for so long. But, I mean, because, I mean, the, the, herper, the hyperbole about the movie is just out of control to me. Uh, I mean, just the pe- things that people are saying... I'll just give you a couple of examples of, of things that I said on the IMDb message boards. I think I said things like I titled a thread should have just called it Fast Max and the Furious Road because uh, and and then I went on to say oh well the internet went out basically <laughs> well, it's insightful yeah. <laughs> edit <laughs> but, but basically okay name the movie I'm describing. For two hours, cars are chasing other cars, high-speed chases. There are explosions going on, and people are shooting at each other. Any Michael Bay film. Yeah, any Michael Bay film. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and it's also set in a world where the women are just as badass as the men. It's void of any storyline, but that's okay because real real actors are doing all these amazing stunts. Is that Fast and the Furious or is that Mad Max? Exactly. Uh, it's both. I mean, you, you can't tell the description is either one. So I, I don't know. I, I could, I trolled IMDb for, for two straight nights after I watched. The I have movie. a feeling you troll IMDb a lot of straight nights. <laughs> I did not troll. I sincerely looked for answers and boosted a post on Facebook to try to get people's responses to understand the perspective, like what what makes this a good movie? I honestly do not see it, and I want to see what people are seeing in this. So, got responses from uh, a movie elitist uh, that Brandon and I know over the internet from Rotten Tomatoes message board, and a response from my cousin, which I already shared. They both love the movie for completely different reasons, which I thought was really interesting. My cousin loved it because it was just an unapologetic action movie. Totally get that. If that's your thing. I understand why you would love this movie. I personally don't like action movies that much, so I didn't love it. But if that's your thing, I completely understand it from that perspective. The other perspective, after we went through a long conversation of what makes it so good, and I said, I guess I'm just missing it, he said, look at it this way. They are slaves, sex slaves, desperately escaping the captivity of a vicious warlord. They are running for their freedom and survival through a hopeless wasteland. Furiosa, in a desperate attempt to cleanse herself of the guilt and tragedy of her own life, leads them through impossible odds, motivated by her chance at redemption. And all that is told in kinetic action. And that doesn't even get into Max's story. My response to that was, the movie you just described sounds so much better than the one that I saw. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie sounds... I want to see that I movie. I would watch that movie. That sounds pretty amazing. I just, I, all that tells me is that he's a really good writer, and maybe he should have written Mad Max Fury Road. Compliments to you, James. You're a great writer. That is not at all what I got from that story. I got um, this chick picks up these uh, sex slave women... They drive one direction, 
then they turn around and kill the guy. That's that's honestly what I got out of the story. And he was like, oh, think about the women. You could tell their struggle by their facial reactions. I was like, all I remember about those women is that one of them is Lenny Kravitz's daughter, and she's really hot. That's what I remember about those sex slave women. I remember nothing else about them. So clearly, I missed uh, the story they were telling through their facial expressions. Hmm. Here's a quick question I have for y'all. Uh, when they were driving through the marshy area, which we later found out, I think was the Greenland. Yeah, area, that was the most interesting part of the whole movie. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. For, actually. for like two minutes. When the characters, because I don't know if there are people or not, were walking on the sticks. Yeah, that looked cool. What did that remind you of, by the way? Uh, Empire? No. Oh. It reminded uh, me of Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah. The puppets on the sticks. Yes, absolutely. I, the first thing I thought of. And, absolutely. And also, I can I, totally see I, that I wrote now. down, like, hey, nice nod to the Dark Crystal. Yeah. But the no, last, the last thing I, I'm going to say about this, because I think I've said all I can, was that my, I think one of my biggest issues uh, with it was Nicholas Holt's character. Right. Which, by the way, did you all even know that was him? Yeah, that, yeah from about I had boy. no clue that was him until about halfway through. I was like, hey, it's Beast. Which, yeah. of course, I know him from About a Boy. I love yeah. I love About a Boy. Yeah, um, But it was how he was the diehard character in the beginning, and then he so easily flipped. Yeah. So easily flipped. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was uh, kind of a glaring flaw. You know, and then, of Absolutely. course, we uh, all of a sudden, one of the uh, one of the girls or princesses falls in love with uh, was falls in love with them and and always right as rain i had a hard time with that you know uh, i thought things like the spray paint in the mouth was interesting i wrote down spray paint kamikazes i thought that was interesting you know <laughs> yeah. there were some cool things that they did uh, uh, once again i don't need to explain for you i thought and for and for that matter is a good example of when i thought it was great you know it's like okay cool when these guys are about to you know, ax themselves, they spray themselves <laughs> in the mouth with silver spray paint. That works. I'm good with that. I, I can accept that. Um, you know, that was cool. So that, that's pretty much my, my, end, my end notes on it. You now, know what I cannot accept? That weird guitar player guy. I go back and forth on him. See, I, I, don't I was know. actually okay At with At first, I was like, this is dumb. I wrote down, this is dumb. And then I went back and I was like, okay, dumb or not dumb? Because there are times it's okay. kind, of, kind of interesting, and then there are times it's like, that's just weird. To me, but that's the part yeah. of the world that I, I don't mind that it's weird. See, that was one of the things I, Rachel I know I hated. I was okay with it because to me it was like, they don't have radio. It was like they're the post apocalyptic version of it's a all radio. Like bungee cords on yeah. the top of a. Like, How I, else are you going to hear some tunes while you're did, chasing did, down like, huge Charlie's the Rock? I think that him. reminded me of the most. Did y'all ever play Twisted Metal? Yes. Okay. That a lot of this movie reminded me of Twisted Metal. I can, I can see that. With the spikes coming out of the wheels Absolutely. and the, the clown I love Twisted Metal. And, and I changed everything. I changed. I love this movie. I didn't yes. think about the Twisted so Metal. You, that's Actually, one of the first things I wrote down. That yes. did make all of that more interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's the I second thing me. I wrote down in my notes. Twisted Metal, the video. Dude, game. that is I, such a great call. We should have. We should have started with that. So that's where I go back. Like, like I think I'm okay with it. It's wild. It's out there. There's a lot of things in this world that I don't like, and I'm not a big. Y'all know this. I'm not a big horror guy, gore guy. Nothing. This is horror or gory, but sometimes I don't have a. I have a hard time identifying with characters who are a little bit more rough around the edges, right. like this style. Right. Um. But I can definitely put that aside to be like, all right, this is kind of cool because I don't see that very often. Let, let me just say that had I been involved enough in the movie that I was sucked into their world, I don't think it would have seemed ridiculous to me. I was not captivated by the movie. I was like, oh, cool. Let's watch them drive some more. Why is this weird guy playing a guitar? <laughs> if I was 
involved in the movie and I felt like I was part of that world, I could have accepted that and I w- don't think I would have found it as strange. But since I wasn't, I just laughed at it and thought it seemed really ridiculous. Look, so, I, I want to... I wanna when did pick... you go see it? When did I go see yeah, it? Yeah, how long has it been? I saw it two so weeks ago. Two, two or three weeks. Okay, all right, all right. I'm just curious. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback on one that uh, uh, Nicholas Holt's character. That, that was a great point and, and it, I think it's kind of glossed over. Because I think that was the only character that truly had some sort of development, you know, that we actually see on screen. And I think it was so poorly done. For the wrong be- reasons. Yes, yes, for the wrong reasons. Or I mean, like that. how did he go from point A to point B? There wasn't really a moment. I mean, I, I know that he saw, uh, I, I think he saw some, some bad traits in Imorne and Joe or whatever it seems it, he made it, a mistake for the second time in front of, uh, in front of Immort- immortan joe yeah and then he was like oh well i'm embarrassed now so i better flip right and then and, and right? then the, and, the, and that's then how it, i that's how i took the, it the fact that you don't know right we don't that have, moment in his life and it was supposed to, and it was supposed to be you know moving or whatever and then i really had a problem when when his character died and we see that you know the longing looks between him and and the lady that he fell in love with like I was supposed to care. They've known each other for like four hours. I mean, Rachel's had you know text relationships with guys on the internet longer than that, and she doesn't even know their names. So that makes, that makes me sound like a huge internet whore. Thank you. <laughs> but, but I mean, you're more. <laughs> <laughs> I did know his name. <laughs> it was a Morton Jetman. Yeah. But I mean, why do I care? I don't care. This isn't some, you know, great love story. I could, couldn't care less whether he dies and, and she's, I mean, the dude that she's known for half an hour. Um, anyways, the last thing I'm going to say, we, we mentioned that it's, this is where kind of, I, I guess all our passion about criticizing this movie that we all gave a positive, you know, overall review to. Um, we mentioned that it's ranked number thirty-two on IMDb. Let me tell you what's right in front of it, which you have to take with a grain of salt. You do have to I take always it. Have to yes, say absolutely, that. absolutely. But this is kind of but what you know a lot is. of people see, like when I think it's just a bunch of you, kids getting on there. Yeah. Anyway, but but you got Casablanca. Generally considered one of the top three movies of all time at number thirty. American History X. At number thirty-one, then you have Mad Max Fury Road at number thirty-two. Oh, these next couple are gonna kill me. Yes, then at number thirty-three you have Saving Private Ryan. Uh, <laughs> then you have Spirited uh, Away, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the one that kills me. City Lights, uh, which is Charlie Chaplin, and Psycho. Right. Rear Window. Come wow. on. And this is why I'm so upset that it's right. so overhyped right. and overrated. It's just it's just unreal to me. Um, and then one last, last thing, just because I've heard it mentioned so many times, the best action film in decades. I'm just, I just looked at the last 10 years and let me tell you the action movies in the past decade that I liked more than Mad Max Fury Road quickly. Sin City, The Raid, The Raid 2, King Kong, Inception, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, The Dark Knight, not The Dark Knight Returns, Avatar, barely. The Kingsman, Snowpiercer, Zombieland, Tron Legacy, End of Watch, I Am Legend, Looper, Watchmen, Edge of Tomorrow, Pacific Rim, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Zero Dark uh, Thirty, The Hurt Locker, Beep for Vendetta, 
District 9, Star Trek, Star Trek, Edge of Darkness, Hancock, Wanted, Godzilla, The Island, Scott Pilgrim, Red, Apocalypto, The Expendables 2, The Lone Survivor, John Wick, Machete, Grindhouse, Pain and Gain, The Guest, Rush, Casino Royale, World War Z, Kick-Ass, Looper, Four Brothers, Every Hobbit Movie, The Karate Kid Remake, starring Will Smith's son, <laughs> Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith, almost every single Marvel movie. And every movie and, that's about to come out at the end of this year, because you're, that's probably going to be done with this list. <laughs> <laughs> and Snakes on a Plane. Wow. Drop the mic. Yeah, that's that was that was dropping. The mic. I would actually disagree with a lot of those, but most I people mean, would. I get it. I get yeah, it. yeah. Th- I'm yeah. just trying to make a point. I mean, yeah. you said Looper twice. You said Avatar. So. What well, isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't it make sense? That I would say Looper twice. Oh, you got Looper. me there. You got Looper. me there. I'll, I'll oh, take fantastic. so many of those movies. A lot, I'll take a lot of those movies over Mad Max, but. I'll take Mad Max over a lot of those other movies. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of people you, would, but... I'm just giving a hard time. Yeah, so... There's clearly a lot better action movies that have come out over the past I love that you said The Raid, because I was actually thinking that, too, the, because we, people had said that their, the action sequences was better than any... The, the, the fight, the hand-to-hand combat was better than any movie, and I'm going... Have you seen the raid? Absolutely. Oh, well, that's actually Brandon. Brandon and I have mentioned that a few times when talking about Mad Max. I don't like action movies. I loved the raid. It didn't have character development. It's a straight up action movie. That's how you do an action movie. That's a great movie. example. That's a, that's a great way to yeah, look at I it. The raid I doesn't have a lot need. of dialogue, and it just that movie works. That this one amazing. works, but You're, not to that. But extent. not to that. And if you watch I'm the sorry, raid, you care. Okay, let me say this. I was like edge of my seat. Every scene was different. Every scene was different. Every scene, I felt intense. I was worried about the characters. And, I mean, it was creative. The hand-to-hand combat. I was just unreal. I I was so impressed with it. It was so good. Mad Max Fury Road by Pulp Collection. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was pretty good. We liked it. (laughs) And we gave it a seven. (laughs) Do you want to talk about Game of Thrones real quick? No. Without trying to spoil it, did you all watch it this last oh, Sunday? Oh, yeah. I'm super pumped about it. Do you want to talk about it in the middle of a movie podcast? Or do you just want to... Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. I want to talk about it in the middle of, I want to talk about in the middle of a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because that is by far the most satisfying episode, I think, in any series I've ever watched. That was that was one of the... That last 30 minutes was fantastic. Oh, uh, the last 30... Really? Okay. Starting with the... Daenerys Tyrion scene. Yes. And going which, forward. Which I was totally fine with. Oh. Because I think that has been some of the coolest stuff is finally we have someone interacting with Daenerys. Yes. Finally. Absolutely. And that has paid off so well with it with the season that's been slow, which I don't mind. I don't mind a season that kind of builds up characters yeah. or we have some new things that have happened this season, whether it be um uh, well, whether it be Daenerys or Tyrion, whether it be um, Cersei mm-hmm. and um, Stark's daughter. What's her name? Um, Sansa. Sansa. Yeah. This has been some good stuff going this season. Oh, it's been so good. And so I was totally fine with that. And then this last 30 minutes hits. And I don't think HBO put that in the trailer for this episode. Totally caught me off guard. I loved it. Ah, oh, it was so good. Oh, it was incredible. And and see, and that was action. And, and most of the Game of Thrones stuff that I like, a lot of people like the action stuff. It's always the, the character stuff to me. But that was the best action scene they've ever had Definitely. on Game of Thrones. I mean, they've had some good action scenes. Because what's so great about Game of Thrones is 
I mean, you watch that and you put it up against any blockbuster, and the effects, the the choreography, everything of it, just, you can stack up against any movie, and it's as good as it, or better than than any of them. Oh, it was it was so good that from the beginning of the series, they they hooked me in with the White Walkers, and that you've gotten such, you've only got a taste here, or there, just a little taste, just a little taste. And it's always been, you know, so fun to see him. So to finally see a full-fledged scene featuring the White Walkers and this big battle was, oh, it was just incredible. It was, it was exciting. It was, I mean, and it, and it pushed the storyline. It wasn't just action. It's like, whoa, the ramifications that are going to come from this. It, it only took five seasons to get there. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. deal is, it was a great payoff. I, I was a fantastic payoff. I've had a little bit of concern of. We've heard winter's coming from like constantly <laughs> yeah. all the time. I always time. laugh about that. So yeah. how do you? I mean, when winter comes, you've been building it up so long. How do you actually execute that? Where I'm like, oh crap! Like this is for real. And when all of the dead people came back to life, I was like, there's you can't win this. Oh, like so now good. I understand yeah. the severity of winter coming. Like it, it wasn't a disappointment after all of this precursor of winter is coming and how bad that is and how important the night watch is. They, that it's going to have a freaking awesome payoff just in that 15 minutes. I now understand that it doesn't really even matter what anybody else is doing. Everyone is dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and the, and the final scene. Okay. So yes, like Jacob said that that whole last 30 minutes was incredible, but the last, last, this, where, where, where he, he raises his arms. The, out. the music goes silent, oh. completely silent, which was an incredible choice because at, Leading up to that for twenty minutes straight is straight action and loud and, and, and music and effects and, and all those things and then everything goes silent. Jon Snow, our hero, is on a raft, just silently going off, and the and the Night King raising his hands and the look on Jon Snow's face when he realizes that he sees his dead rising and becoming a part of his army. How do you how do you beat that? Yeah, it's like oh. How do you beat that? Oh, it was it was so well done. And and before that, I thought it was really cool because I, and I I'd seen I watched the inside of the episode and the showrunners had something said something to the effect of, um, you know, at this point the White Walkers never considered humans as any sort of resistance. It wasn't really a war; it was more a massacre. Right. It was just we do whatever we want, and then. You know the Night King. That's what that's what he's called, the lead guy. He looks down and he sees this young kid, Jon Snow, take out one of his lieutenants, and it kind of gets his attention. Like, oh, hey, somebody's putting up a fight. This is interesting. We, this guy's kind of this guy's kind of got my attention. And that and then you know that leads to the stare down. Like, okay, you took out one of my lieutenants. It was a stare down. Come yeah. at me, bro. Yeah, I just I just, I just doubled my army. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'll always say The Wire is my favorite show, but for the first time, I, and I have a hard time saying this, but I mean, I have a show that is, is definitely like going head to head with it, with, with, with The Wire. I mean, I think, I think Game of Thrones is, it's, I mean, I love True, True Detective too. I thought right. that was a great show. Oh, absolutely. I've only seen one season of it. Yeah. I, I just think this show is fantastic. And it's in its fifth season, and The Wire had five seasons. And I don't think people would say the fifth season of The Wire was very good. Right, or, yeah. Or I think yeah. they would say that. So, I mean, good stuff. Good stuff. It's so funny that you say that because I'm not lying to you. I, 
a, a co-worker friend of mine, we were talking about shows yesterday, that it's funny that this particular episode made you say that because I told him for the first time ever, Sopranos has always been my number one. And then I had this like five, six way battle for number two between a bunch of different shows. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I think Game of Thrones actually might be slotted as my number two under the Sopranos, like a lone spot. Like I think it's, I could watch it over and over and over. Yeah. It's getting to it's, that it's point. It's that good. When it hits that point, it's, it's when you really kind of have to sit back and be like, this is that good. Yeah. And it really is. The world building is it's fantastic. George R. R. Martin is a twisted dude, but he has built an amazing world. Yes, yes, absolutely, he has. So jumping from what a lot of us consider one of our very favorite shows, whether it be our favorite show, second favorite show, I think for all of us it's a top five show at least of all time. We're actually going to talk about our top five movies of all time. We figured this is our very first podcast. What better way for for you, all our millions of listeners, to find out what kind of taste we have in movies and judge us by our taste in movies because that's what all of us movie elitists do to each other, correct? We judge each other by by your favorite movies. We thought it'd be fun. Every week we're going to do a top five list. This week we're actually going to do our top five favorite movies of all time, which was an excruciating list. To do, but we narrowed it down. We made our choices. Rachel, we'll let you go first. Your number five favorite movie of all time. Let me preface this by saying this list is probably not accurate at all. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, when you all make your lists, do you make it your own personal favorites? Or do you make it like what you know is the better film? A combination... (laughs) Uh, in, in the end, here, here's what I, I was battling between some movies, and I was tempted to put the better movie on, but ended up going with my favorite movie. I think you have to. I, you I, do. I, I think in the end, it's it's what because everything's subjective when it comes right. to anything artistic. Yes. So you kind of have to do what caters to you the most. Right. That being said, Rachel, I apologize. I think you're about to say what I was thinking as well. Oh no! I, I mean, I, some of these are not great movies, but they are my favorite movies. So. My number five is actually Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. It's got Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. in it, and it was kind of right before Robert Downey Jr. came back into the spotlight with Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. Um, It is a like a detective story. It's a a crime drama comedy detective film. Yes. That clears it up. If it's an action movie, it's better than Mad Max and it was made in the past 10 years. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but if you haven't seen it, it you definitely should see it. It's a great mix of comedy and drama and mystery all all rolled up into one hilarious movie. And I really wish that Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer would do more because they have fantastic chemistry with one another. I really do miss Val Kilmer. Oh, Me one too. of my all-time favorites. We miss Val Kilmer. We miss you. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> Number five, Jacob. Um, yeah, honestly. So, just to kind of preface my list, my uh, my top five was the toughest because I think I think y'all are like this too. I could have slotted in about five oh, or yeah. six movies. Yep. You know, the hard part is is thinking of a genre or maybe hitting on the genres or whatever. Uh, I think ultimately I have to go back to my personal experiences with the movie. Yes. Um, honestly, it's what I like right now. That has a lot to do with it because yeah, last year. 
for years, I think it was a Truman Show. For a couple of years, it was Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched this movie today with my nieces and nephew, and it was so fun to watch them because it reminded me of my own experiences. And that movie's Jurassic Park. Nice. Um, I can be a Steven Spielberg junkie, especially before 2000. And it seemed like that guy could do no wrong for the most part. And, and uh, I mean, Jurassic Park was my number one theater experience of all time. That's the first time I ever cussed in front of my mom. Um, was it when you saw the dinosaurs? Yeah, it, yes. The one where he jumps right into the ceiling and right at oh, the movie okay. screen. Yeah. I remember just going, oh, shit. And, and like, sorry, mom. And and, and uh, it was a good laugh. I mean, there there's some great funny moments in the movie. Um, there's so many things you can pinpoint. I, I've always, I, I don't think the score is the strongest of John Williams, but it definitely stands out. I mean, how do you, for the most part, how do you not know? Yeah. The score too. Oh, yeah. When I got to watch my niece and nephew uh, watch it the other day, oh my gosh, they were jumping up and down and they were falling back on the couch and covering their mouth. That's and I awesome. remember those all those experiences. Um, and it's been a while since I watched Jurassic Park too, which isn't really fair because I've probably seen it 20 times. Yeah. But it's been a couple years at least. And, you know, there are some tricks that Spielberg still does where the camera's, camera's moving in and out of characters, even though it's in the same shot. Um, he's just, he's just so good. I will say, I'll, I'll say was, I think he still has a lot of potential, but God, he was just so good. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. You're number five, Brandon. Mine are, I'll preface mine by saying my list is awesome. My number five, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm with you guys. And, and then I, give everybody your number five, which will be <laughs> not a number five on anybody else's list. Here's the deal. I ended up going the same. I, I, I love classic movies, I love foreign movies, I love documentaries, and I, I was tempted to, to kind of make a movie, a, a list that people would be like, ooh, sophisticated. Nope, I ended up going with my favorites. I think that's the right thing to do. My number five, if anybody knows me, this is not surprising at all, is Spider-Man. And it's actually for... <laughs> Oh, God. All that right. was also the crowd reaction. I feel uh, like, my list is awesome. Uh, Spider-Man. We are going to go there. <laughs> okay, listen up. Jacob said it was his favorite movie-going experience of all time. It was pretty much the same same thing for me and same reason it makes it. Because You are a Spider-Man junkie. I, I've been a Spider-Man fan since I was like three years old. And this movie came out in 2002 so for, you know, for 25 years, Spider-Man has been my hero, and I'd always wanted to see a big screen Spider-Man movie. And it came out, and it was just everything I wanted it to be. You can make fun of Tobey Maguire, you can make fun of him crying, I don't care. It was Spider-Man, it was my lifelong hero, he was on the big screen, and it was a good movie. I mean, it's, it's not just me. I mean, it did get good reviews. It I was. mean, I liked it. It's it's a legitimate good movie. It's not a great yeah, movie. Raimi did a good job with yeah, the Raimi, first two movies. Yeah, the first two movies. Now, part two is actually a better movie. Uh, but as far as my favorites go, nothing will ever beat me finally seeing Spider Man. <laughs> he's pulling up. He's pulling up the crying pictures. Of course, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing will ever beat seeing Spider Man on the big screen for me. Rachel, your number four. My number four is the Blues Brothers, which is also probably yep, yep. There's some faces getting made. Oh, I was actually just. He's still making fun. He's still making fun. He's still making fun of Spider-Man. Gave his explanation of Spider-Man. I'm I'm totally cool with that. You know, totally cool with that. I have my own personal problems with primarily Tobey Maguire, but I totally get it. That's totally cool. Okay. 
Um, my number four is, is Blues Brothers. It's a movie my dad does not rewatch movies. He doesn't really do it. He watches them once and he's done with it. Completely opposite of my mom. The Blues Brothers, he will watch a million times. Um, when I was growing up, watching it with him, I liked the music in it. I remember that. But we just watched it so many times. I always remember sitting down and watching that movie with my dad. And I will forever remember doing that. We still do it at least once a year, sit down and watch Blues Brothers. Or even Blues Brothers 2000, which was absolutely awful. <laughs> but um, but I still, it, it will always have a major nostalgic thing to me, the Blues Brothers will. So that's why it's my number four. Jacob, your number four favorite movie of all time. If it's quick, I've only seen that movie once. And I thought it was okay, but I think I saw it too late in my life. Brandon hates it. I don't, I don't hate it. She just thinks because she thinks it's the great fourth best movie of all time. I'm just like, yeah, it's pretty good. She yeah. thinks that I hate it. I, it's it's fine. It's I, I grew up watching it too. Watched it a few times. It was no... Uh, uh, I should watch right. it with my dad there, then. There are some movies that came out in the 70s and 80s that people love that um, if you didn't watch them when you were young, right. you're just yeah, not going to appreciate them when you exactly. get older. I agree. And that exactly. could be one of them. It, I, yes. I don't think yes. I have a problem with it. Or maybe not like you did, Brandon, right. but... Uh, um, well, if I was introduced to it I, right now, I'd probably have been like, that was kind of funny. I completely recognize yeah. why someone would really enjoy it. It's kind of like when you see uh, Animal House for the first time. Right, yeah. yes. Which was another movie that my dad much, And I didn't. Our parents and, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate Animal House very much. Right. when I saw, Like, to me, it's like, eh, it's fine. He did love Animal House. He loves Caddyshack. Yeah. Those, those kind of movies. Kids, but, 20 years from now, when they see The Goonies or Sandlot, they're going to be like, yeah, they're all right. Actually, those are timeless. Those are timeless. Let's not get ourselves. I saw that when I was a kid, though, so I don't know. I don't know. Jacob's Um, number four favorite movie of all time. My my number four is actually my easiest movie to pick on this list because I know my three are always there. My fifth are always flipping out, but my four is always the same. And it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's a great choice. Um, If you, what's the stronger argument when you talk about this movie? Is it Michelle Gondry and his directing? Mm-hmm. Is it Charlie Kaufman and his screenplay? Mm-hmm. Or is it Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet and their acting? Yeah, I mean, when you really three. kind of put them all together. Yeah. I mean, I'll start by saying that when I saw this movie, I was going through a very tough breakup. Right? <laughs> but I mean, but it did. It, it, it definitely hit at home. But then you throw in all these other elements. All right, I am a Jim Carrey fan, especially more so of his earlier films. Mm-hmm. And I think he is one of the greatest um, comedic uh, actors to see, uh, comedic or uh, physical actors yes. of our time. And uh, for the most part, he didn't do this in this film. So to see him kind of take a step back from that kind of comedy and do take on a serious role, we kind of see him do it in The Majestic and uh, you know, Man on the Moon and things like that. Um, maybe he did it, was it 2023 or uh, yeah, number 20, 23? The number 23. I actually didn't see that. It's just not my kind of movie, yeah. but he was, he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, honestly, it's really hard to talk that much on Jim Carrey and can without saying Kate Winslet oh, yeah, she was because she, she, she just so saw it in everything she does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just another day at the, yeah, at the office for her. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, she was nominated for an Academy Award for this yeah, as well. She I was. mean, she, it's. It's just a beautiful story of, all right, so if anyone's ever been in a relationship, this is why I love it so much. If anyone's ever been in a relationship, they, um, they'll, have, they'll easily remember all the bad, bad things at first. Mm-hmm. And so you, why, would you, why would you not want to erase right. it from your mind? But then once you think about it, it's like, but this is the person that made you. This is the person, I'm, this is the, the relationship is what made you. The relationship is what molded you. And... And then you're going to start to realize all of the good things, which is, God, when it gets so deep into that movie, it totally covers. 
I think anyone who is going through, uh, I'll say, I'll just say breakup in general, uh, should should watch it. It's a great movie to watch. But going back to it, I mean, uh, the camera work, the manipulation by Michelle Gondry, when you think when they're having the scenes in the library and the books mm -hmm. starting to disappear and those colors are starting to evaporate and everything's just going to a blank white or say something goes to a complete blur and, you know, memories erased. Of course, I, I actually, I'm talking so much about this, you forget about the side characters with Tom Wilkinson, you know, uh, some of those characters as well. I mean, just just an easy, I'll, I'll say an easy movie to talk about. I could probably talk about it for a lot longer. Um, I love this movie. I, I, I'll, I, this will always be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I love it. I, and I think it's it's more so a cult. It's become a cult film. I think a lot of people maybe forgot about it, unless you're a movie buff. Um, but for those who've never seen it, I strongly, strongly suggest uh, you see it. it. It's by far Michelle Gondry's greatest film. Yeah. And as far as Kaufman's screenplays, I think it's his best, even though I think people would argue that because he's got some good ones. Um, that's my number four. That's a great choice. Uh, I You said it all, so I don't really have much to add to that, uh, except that it was it was my number one movie of 2004. Oh. You know, 2004 is my number one movie, so I obviously love it a lot as well. Yes. My number four favorite movie of all time is Arthur, the Dudley Moore movie. Oh. Uh, to me, it's it's just my favorite comedy of all time. I grew up watching it. I was a kid, watched it, loved it. It's just hilarious. There's if you haven't seen it, you can't really appreciate it. You're like, what is this obscure movie he's talking about? But at the time, it actually made a lot of money. Uh, it actually got nominated for a few Oscars. Uh, I think it won a couple. Uh, John Gilgood actually, I think, won Best Supporting Actor. I believe Dudley Moore uh, won two Oscars. I believe Dudley Moore was nominated. So it was a, it's a straight-up comedy, but it has heart. It was really well done. Uh, yeah, the screenplay was nominated. It's just a hilarious movie, and everyone should see it. That's all I'm going to say. Just go see the Arthur. And unlike some of the older movies that are on our list for nostalgia reasons, I watched that as an adult, and it is hilarious. Yes. Well, you two you. introduced that to me. If you remember the first yeah. time we all watched movies together, yeah, you all had me watch Arthur because I'd never seen it. So unlike Blues Brothers... When I watched Arthur, I I laughed. I thought it was a great movie. Oh, yeah, I was glad that y'all had me watch it. It does it does hold up. It holds up. It's actually one of my favorite comedies of all time as well. Nice. It, and I probably saw it for the here. first time seven years ago or something like that. So good flick. Yeah, yeah. solid. Good. Choice. Thank you. Top three all time for Brandon Raybar. Four. Oh, four. Is that's it? right. But it could be three. <laughs> <laughs> um, number Rachel's two. number three favorite movie of all time. I went with Nightmare on Elm Street. I did not... My parents are kind of anti-me watching horror movies, mostly because they did not like them themselves and because I don't think they wanted to deal with me being really freaked out as a child. <laughs> uh, I first saw this when we were on a family vacation in Colorado at a hotel that had HBO, and my cousins were allowed to watch horror movies, so we snuck into another room and watched Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was really, really super creeped out. It is still really super creepy. The first one, obviously they got campy as time went on. But that original Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the freakiest movies ever. Uh, to me, at least. And then kind of fell in love with the entire Freddy franchise after that. Um, I still watch it probably once a year, usually around Halloween-ish. But uh, I still think it holds up. Also, huge Johnny Depp fan. I was... I kind of fell in love with Johnny Depp during 21 Jump Street, but uh, going back to him watching this, it made me really happy that he's 
He's in it. I've never seen it either, but that's well, you hate horror mostly movies. by choice. Yeah, I was also have one of those parents who wouldn't let me watch it, but I had no problem with that. <laughs> uh, I've grown up to actually like horror movies quite a bit. I know Brandon loves that. Right? I absolutely. It's yeah, one I of can't my, wait to talk about a horror movie with you guys. It's it's it, gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and we will do that. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be a running joke in our podcast. But Not Around Elm Street, The Shining, that's like one and two for me for all-time favorite horror movies. So great choice. That's all I'll say. Jacob, you're up. Jacob's um, number three favorite movie of all time. So uh, again, my one, two, and three, you can flip-flop pretty honestly. This year, um, my number three is uh, Shawshank Redemption. And nice. What I, I'll say what I hate most about this choice is that it's number one on imdb that i said earlier you have to take that with a grain of salt um most people i talk to though i can't i've, I've yet to meet anyone who didn't like this movie it's just a great movie uh, it's just a great movie it um, is you start with the score where he's entering the uh the prison and you get that low bass line uh like it's, it's a beautiful score to go with a great story uh, morgan freeman is fantastic in it not to say tim robbins isn't but uh, it's a good bromance. It is. Um, great it bromance. Is. And it also, I mean, it's a story about hope, you know, and, and if you can identify that, you can uh, certainly appreciate the things that are to come later on in the movie. Uh, my dad, who's not a big movie hound, um, I'll never forget. Uh, so 94 is when this movie came out, which is so crazy because like we had Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, oh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, I mean, yes. That was a major year at the Huge Academy when you really look back on Huge, it. Huge, yes. And... Um, Great, I remember I came up from school and, or, uh, or whatever. It was in the, before I went to school in the morning. Mom and Dad had rented Shawshank and some other movie. And uh, I remember I came home. Dad was there. Hey, Dad, did you watch Shawshank? Uh, yeah, best effing movie I've ever seen. And for Dad <laughs> to say that, I mean, it just kind of like, well, I guess I should watch this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that the reason why I like it? No. But, I mean, it certainly had an impact on me in, initially. And then as the years go by, I'll tell you what, every time it's on TNT or TBS, I watch it. It's hard I, to watch. I, 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 don't, I don't think it'd be far-fetched to say that I've seen it over 100 times. Wow. Yeah. There's wow. pretty much all, all these top three I can tell you I've seen so it over 50 So if you ever go to prison, guaranteed. you're like guaranteed to break out. Like you, <laughs> there's, they're yeah. not going to be able to keep you it's in. Like, let's type a rock hammer, please. <laughs> and a Cindy Crawford poster. And a Cindy Crawford poster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Just a good movie. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a great choice. And it's so funny, Stephen King, speaking of horror movies, so well known for yeah, horror movies. But his two best movies, Stand By Me and The Shawshank Redemption, neither of them horror films. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great choice. It's number one on IMDb. I have to say this really, really quickly. I have an attitude slightly against Shawshank because of that. It's not Shawshank's fault. I gave it a 10. Right. Myself, it's a great movie. But all the Dark Knight fans, when that came out, they wanted Dark Knight to pass The Godfather See, that's a for number one. So, so they all, so all the Dark Knight fans gave The Godfather and Godfather two, which were number one and number two on IMDb forever. They gave that a zero to try to push oh, Dark Knight see, above ridiculous. it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's the part where it is kind of a joke. And, yeah. and I, I hate that it's number one. Yeah, um, but I don't think anyone uh, would argue that it's. Oh, it's, it's know, an incredible. And, movie. I, and I actually hear a lot of people say it's their favorite movie too. So that's that's a great great choice. Mm. My number three of all time is, and this is just an obvious one, it's Pulp Fiction. Uh, Good movie. I'm a huge Tarantino fan, and that was one of the first movies. I was 18 when it came I think I was 17. I was 17 when it came out, and that was the first movie that I'd seen at the movie theater that I, that kind of changed my way of thinking about... I mean, it was a game changer anyways, and it's and it's been so imitated since then. 
Uh, I guess Reservoir Dogs kind of did it before, really, but Pulp Fiction took it to a more popular place. Uh, but it changed how I viewed movies as well, and it kind of got me to, to see m- movies in a different way, like appreciate them more as an art form and more than just entertainment. Uh, but it's so entertaining as well. Pulp Fiction, my number three. Rachel, your number two favorite movie of all time. My number two favorite movie is Wayne's World. <laughs> and I don't hey, even care on, what you... Ha- exactly. That's Do we really oh, need to say anything I love that when else? I was 12. That's such a good movie. Uh, <laughs> when I was 12. Now I, that I'm growing I, up, I, I loved I Wayne's World. I, I, still know, quote, I did too. I, did. I still quote Wayne's World probably once a day. Uh, I will forever love Wayne's World. You know what's sad is that people will always think of Mike Myers as either Shrek or Austin Powers, and they'll just completely forget about Wayne unless they grew up, you know, a teenager of the 90s or, or older, I'm guessing. I mean, he, Mike Myers is just so talented. Wayne's, uh, he's created... There's so many one-liners of, Wayne, of Wayne's World that are yes. lost. That's unfortunate because, oh my God. Uh. It's a hilarious. I mean, it's it's a good choice. I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, it's funny to say it's your number two of all time, but we're talking about favorites here. And if you're a child right. of the of the 80s and 90s, everyone loved Wayne's World. These are the movies. And the oldest. soundtrack. The soundtrack was the incredible soundtrack as well. That was good. That Dreamweaver. Oh, oh yeah. Foxy Lady. And, of course, it made Bohemian Rhapsody a hit oh, 15 years after it was a hit. That that char- that car scene at the beginning oh, when they just, sang is classic. That's yeah, classic. It's classic. I've already made a plan for my wedding that we will be watching Wayne's World. I'm going to have my wedding at a drive-in movie theater, and we're watching Wayne's World. <laughs> That's how much I love it. That's cool. Jacob's number two uh, favorite movie of all time. Number two. This was my number one for a long time, and it's Jaws. Uh, my second Steven Spielberg movie of our list, but I'm sorry. Um, between Roy Schneider, uh, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, I think the... You know, the, the main three actors, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better group who were completely different in their own ways. I don't know how much y'all have, like, seen the behind the scenes or read about any, any of the things, but, like, I, you know, Robert Shaw was drunk half the time. Um, <laughs> apparently, Richard Drivers was uh, promiscuous with a lot of the ladies on the island, was all over that. And all Robert Shaw did was just heckle him, and they did not get along on set. They were, wow. they, they were like, from what I understand, enemies. Um, of course, you know, Roy Schneider, I don't know much about him other than uh, the French connection. Um, I just think he's said everyone. so solid. Huh? Said everyone. Yeah, ever. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was on Sequest DSV. <laughs> That's how I know him. I mean, but you know, this is, here's the thing with the 70s that is not the way it is today. That, you know, a lot of characters back then are cast in their 40s and 50s and they're the main stars. You right. don't see that very no. much anymore unless it's an independent film. Yeah. And these are why, um, you know, some of these movies are so great for us. Yeah. Glad we have appreciation for that in our, in, you know, in our 30s at least. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing about Jaws that I don't know if we had to think about uh, is the fact that it was probably arguably the first blockbuster. It was. Which it's, is it's, why we have half yeah. the trash we, we have, have yeah. today. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, from the opening scene, uh, you know, to the girl uh, yeah. being attacked, uh, I don't know. I'm assuming y'all are aware of all the technical problems I had with the yes. shark. Which, yeah. So, honestly, technical problems or lack of money lead people to greater creativity. And that's exactly that's what's happened point. here. Yes. And 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 uh, we're gonna need a bigger boat. One of the, one of another classic line. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, mean, I love it. That's a great. Tr- and the music, obviously, again, I'm, 
John That's Williams a great choice. For, I mean, I, clearly I'm a sucker for a lot of these uh, either action films. I don't know if you can count uh, Eternal Sunshine as an action yeah. film. But, I mean, uh, for some of these blockbusters, honestly, these older blockbusters, right. it's, there's a couple, sure, there's a couple in the last 15 years. But it's... Uh, it, it's not the same. This is the part where I'm reminiscing. It's, it's yeah. seen the same. And maybe that's what people are hoping for with the uh, Mad Max. Right. Is that they're going to return to that kind of effects where we don't have to live in a world of cartoon CGI. Right. And we can kind of go back to, you know, screw it. A mechanical shark that jumps out of the yeah. water and lands That'd on a be... boat. I'm perfectly fine with that if it's a real mechanical shark. That'd be amazing. <laughs> if Mad Max has that effect... I will take back every bad thing I said about it. That's Absolutely. what people are really hoping that George yeah. Miller's going to push. He's going to prove to these Hollywood production companies that you can do that. That'd be amazing. You know, and you so. don't have to rely on CGI for the main effects. But that's one thing that Jaws is so great for. And then, of course, again, add in Spielberg and just the the things that he can he created or no one ever did. No yeah. one ever did. Yeah. Something to keep in perspective. You know, from that time period. Good stuff. My number two favorite movie of all time is probably my most quoted movie of all time, and that is Tombstone. We oh, talked about yeah. we talked about Val Kilmer earlier. He, the fact if if you were to put a gun to my head and say name the greatest Oscar injustice of all time, I would say Val Kilmer not being nominated for his role as Doc Holliday. Completely agree. Agreed. Nice. Yes. I've, I've always thought he got for at least not even getting nominated. Yeah, not even being nominated. I've always thought that. So shafted. One of my all-time favorite characters. One of my all-time favorite performances. Ah, oh, he just owns that movie. But the other, I mean, Kurt Russell was great. Wyatt Earp was great. The whole movie. The villains were great. It was. That's a Heath I, Ledger as a Joker role. Absolutely. I that made that movie. The movie was good, but that made that yes, movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it made a good movie a great movie. And uh, it was the first movie I saw multiple times at the theater with my own money. I got from <laughs> sacking groceries at Homeland. I was, Were you about 25 then? Yeah. <laughs> saw it three times in the movie theater. I've probably seen it a hundred times since. My number two favorite movie of all time, Tombstone. Rachel. Your number one favorite movie of all time is... I feel like that was a big lead-in to a really obvious answer. The Godfather. Part one and two, because I just refuse to pick which one I like better. I don't think that I could do it if I wanted to. It's a really generic pick. I wish I had something more interesting to say, but it just really is the best movie ever made. There's nothing... that I have no complaints about that movie whatsoever. And it's a movie that really taught me what movies could be um and so when i was starting to get into movies that was one of the the first big ones that i watched and it changed the way i viewed every movie from then on out so a lot of people always said it was overrated now i don't personally think so but if i were to say that what would you say to that (laughs) wrong (laughs) (laughs) i i i really don't know how you how you if you don't think the godfather is at least one of the top three best movies ever made when was it made? In 72? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one had ever done that. No, yeah, it, it was it a game changer. It completely changed Again. everything. It did, it it was did a game for changer. movies what Sopranos kind of did for TV. I think it was yeah. perfectly paced. Yes. And you think about the first 10 or 15 minutes of it, and it's just the wedding. You yes. know, of course, bouncing back and forth between him and his office and doing yes. stuff. Um, and then as it leads on, you have, of course, your buddy, Al Pacino, yeah. in there, <laughs> um, trying to be like the good guy. And then just to see his development, his character development, uh, it, you know, it, I don't need, and that's the 70s for you, you know, they're mm-hmm. not action-packed up until uh, Jaws and Star Wars came along. Yeah. Right. But 
um, you know, you have like this dark ending, but a great, you know, tragedy now, behind it all. Now yeah. that they've had the anniversary scene them on the big screen, I appreciate them even more than I, I did before. Wait, what? Uh, since town, they do the special event things now that they're hitting like the whatever your 40th anniversary or whatever, they sometimes show them in theaters. Well, I will have to start looking into that. I, will I would give you love to see, see that. It's that on screen. I saw Jaws on the big screen in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. It's really an and, experience. And uh, it was an experience. Like, mm-hmm. I, would, I even though I'd seen you know Jaws 50 times, uh, you know, people had brought like you know kids, and I'll say like probably 10 ish in there to watch that on the big screen. Oh, first off, I had chills just. Watching it, but hearing people kind of scream in some of those parts. Right. Oh yeah, uh, I would love to see Godfather on the big screen. That would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Need and to. these are, and I'm glad movie theaters are starting to do this. I love yeah, it because I saw one of the theaters around here was also doing Raiders of the Last Lost Ark a year or so ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a crying shame that I didn't go see it. Yeah. Oh, you got to because they see are it. uh, It's it's different to see on the on the big screen. You got to go do it. Jacob's number one favorite movie of all time. I'm pretty sure you know what it is. Yes. Yeah, and I don't know, but I'm, you might or may not. It's, it's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, I mean, and honestly, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi are like my five and six on my list. Right. But I mean, I'll just um, throw that out to throw in a number five, something different. But Empire Strikes Back, there's no bigger obsession that I have than Star Wars. I don't know everything about it. I don't read all the canon books. I don't read or watch the cartoons that come along with it. But when it comes to the original trilogy, um, it's the best story I've ever seen. I, I'm a big sci-fi junkie. Um, in retrospect, I mean, so to have this world that, you know, could exist mm-hmm. to start with, um, I, uh, I, I love the idea of that. Uh, as a child, I mean, wait, which one of us is a... a uh, George Michael with the lightsabers falling off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> that very easily could have been me. Uh, <laughs> um, but just great, great sequences throughout that movie. We either whether you start with the Hoth scene, the Hoth battle, right, um, and that area, and honestly, more importantly, the the ending of that movie, um, the silhouette with the blue, the black, and the orange lighting. Yeah, oh, yeah, black lighting, but the orange and the blue lighting. I mean, that's that's just one of those. It's a very iconic scene, um, very important movie, really franchise in my life because I know it, it. It's developed me as a person, and I I could not be. I'm trying not to be, but I could not be more excited about Star Wars coming this year, and um, I I don't have problems that I read the plot, but uh, I think it's gonna be really good. I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm not as big a Star Wars fan as you. Here's my biggest po- compliment to Star Wars. I'm not a sci-fi fan generally, but I love the Star Wars movies. Well, you know the thing about Star Wars that a lot of other sci-fi fans aren't is that it's a love story. Right. It's a know? love story, and I love the characters. Well, a lot so, of the some of it's a love story, but well, yeah, the, especially the original trilogy. Uh, Whenever we talk Star Wars on this podcast, we will not be talking about the prequels. You're right, yes. Unless yes. it is in a negative format, <laughs> yes. all right? So, yes. that's sad. <laughs> Absolutely. But but I don't generally like Star Trek and things like that. I just never got into, but I always like the Star Wars movies. George Lucas created some incredible characters. And, and at the end of the day, if you have great characters, I'm in. And Star Wars has great characters, regardless yeah. of genre. That's a great show. I love... That that we're ending the show. Our number ones. We have the Godfather. We have the Star Wars. And I'll just my number one of all time is also the Godfather trilogy. I mean, it's it's. I'm a huge Godfather junkie. It 
it's really the reason I had passion for movies when I first saw that. It was really Al Pacino is what got me into movies, and I saw The Godfather, and it was like next level. But The Godfather is kind of considered possibly the greatest movie of all time, along with Star Wars. So I love that we've kind of had the action, sci-fi, special effects, adventure movie, and then kind of the drama, crime movie, the two that are considered. You know, you have your Citizen Kanes and Casablancas, but as far as like mainstream blockbuster accepted by audiences and critics alike, you have Star Wars and you have Godfather. So whereas we have each of our own individual tastes and indies and classics and things like that, here we have the Star Wars, Star Wars, and Godfather ending the show. Yeah, with that. so I, I love that that's actually. That's really good. Yeah. Now, did y'all have any honorable mentions that you were going to come throw in your top five? Are you just really just battling? Home Alone. <laughs> I'm a sucker for Christmas movies. Okay, I'll just go through them quickly. Home Alone, Dog Day Afternoon, and uh, Goodwill Hunting. Those are my top. Home Alone, Dog Day. Oh yeah, Dog Day Afternoon. You love it. Yeah. Yes. And Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Movie. Um, yeah, for me, I got L.A. Confidential, which I Great had choice. in there for a while. I'm a Great big choice. crime thriller guy. Uh, Red is the Lost Ark, Aliens, um, Pride and Prejudice was my my number five for a long, nice. long time. I, I thought the Joe Wright version was a great movie. And then if I really had to put a comedy in there, it's Dumb and Dumber. I think it's the most quotable movie of all time. And it could be because I'm a '90s guy. Love it. But I mean, it amazes me how this does not hit the top of some lists. Oh, it's sometimes. hilarious. Um, there you go. Great choices. Rachel, any honorable mentions? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Shut up. <laughs> I had Home Alone. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> that is still more respectable than Bill and Ted. Uh, Back to the Future trilogy is fantastic. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Sandlot, and in more recent years, There Will Be Blood, blew me away. Uh, I have that on. That's yeah. my number 19. I'm yeah. I think that was probably a consideration of, of at least like a top 20 for, yeah, for, all, for all of us. us. Man, you guys have good taste in music. We should start a podcast or something. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week on Pulp Fliction. Be sure to listen next week when we talk about the big Game of Thrones finale and Jurassic World.